Whenever a woman tries to assert herself, there's always going to be people, particularly men, who are going to try to close the door as fast as they can on us. I'm a, a mother, I am a wife, you know, a daughter. I also run the largest business organization here in Southern Arizona, and I'm running a congressional campaign. So. There have been some lonely moments, but what keeps me going is the work. You know, I think this work and this fight is necessary. From Politico, this is Women Rule, where we bring you real talk with women bosses. I'm Anna Palmer, senior Washington correspondent and co-author of the Politico Playbook. I would certainly notice if I'm the only woman in the room, I think all of us ladies do, or if I'm the only Hispanic person in a room, but it's not an area I particularly focused. Today, the second part of our series on women hitting the campaign trail in 2018. It never stopped me or slowed me down. We're talking with Leah Marquez-Peterson, a Republican who's running for Congress in Southern Arizona. That House seat is currently held by a Republican, Congresswoman Martha McSally, who's now running for Senate. I just knew when the time was right, open seat, and I knew I could, I could garner the community support. Lee is still fighting a primary race in the state's 2nd Congressional District, which includes much of Tucson. She's the only woman in the GOP race, and she has a background in business. She's been out fundraising her three other opponents, and she's already looking towards the general election this fall. But if Leah wins, she'll be in an even tougher race come November. That seat could easily flip parties. You know, Republicans could face some losses. Typically, the party out of power does gain some seats. This is a pivotal swing district in Arizona. In the 2016 presidential election, the district voted for Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump by five points. In the general, that could mean trouble for Leah, who actively supports some of Trump's policies, including on immigration. You know, I've been blessed enough as a chamber president to engage with the Trump administration and been invited to the White House for different policy discussions, um, even more recently, which has been great. Stay tuned for our conversation with Leah Marquez-Peterson. On the podcast, we'll be bringing you real talk with women bosses, asking how did you make it and what advice would you give a woman looking to lead? If you're a fan of the show, please subscribe to Women Rule on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us and leave a review. And follow me on Twitter and Instagram at apalmerdc. Also, make sure to check out our Women Rule candidate tracker on politico.com. We're tracking how well all the female candidates are doing in national races this year. Women Rule is produced by Politico in partnership with our founding partners, Google and the Tory Burch Foundation. And now our interview with Leah Marquez-Peterson. Leah, thank you so much for joining us today on the Women Rule podcast. In 2018, we've seen a surge in women candidates uh, for national office, and recent primaries have made this a really record-breaking year. What does that actually look like on the ground in Tucson? You know, we've always had a number of female leaders in different elected positions throughout our state. Um, right now in this midterm election, uh, I am the only woman in our Republican primary for this particular race in CD2. And there are several women running as Democrats in this same race. Um, and you see women running throughout the state for different positions at the federal level. Have you felt pretty supported by other women in this race? Is it something that's come up a lot, you as a woman running? Honestly, no. I mean, I hear the theme of kind of women running and so on, more at the national level uh, than I do locally. I think in, in Arizona, we've had a reputation of having women run at all different levels, whether it's city or state or federal. We, this seat is currently held by a female, uh, Congresswoman Martha McSally. 
So um, I, it's, it has been supportive. I don't think it's been anything unusual, perhaps, in this year. Did you talk at all with um, McSally about the race? Did you get any advice from her? Absolutely. So I've known Martha McSally for many years. I am the president of the local Hispanic chamber, and we're actually the largest chamber of commerce here in southern Arizona. So I'd known her through her many races and the challenges in this very, very competitive district. When I decided to run, when I knew that she was likely going to be running for Senate, I sat down with her and asked her for uh, tips and ideas and wanted to better understand kind of the political landscape. I knew with an open seat, this would be highly competitive. And I told her that I was ready to run, passionate about the community. I have been living here for more than 40 years and very involved in the community um, and was ready to do this, but didn't truly know what did it take to to win the seat? How does this industry work? How do you formulate a campaign and get the message out and all those parameters? And so she was very helpful in advising me what what worked for her, what hadn't worked for her, because if you know the race, she did lose her very first race, um, and then how she succeeded at this. So um, she has been very supportive. Was there one piece of advice she gave you, that one tip that stood out? Oh, gosh, you know... um, Probably just to be very organized, um, very um, systematic. I know that's not a fun thing to talk about, <laughs> but but really being, I'm a, a mother, I am a wife, you know, a daughter. I also run the largest business organization here in Southern Arizona, and I'm running a congressional campaign. So how to be organized and, and, and be aware of the time I spend and keeping healthy and balanced while also being everywhere at once. Um, so we talked through a lot of how she did that and and how I do that, and how to really pull a very strong team around me. I know even running my own business in the past, and certainly running the Chamber of Commerce, a lot of it depends on the team surrounding you and who I could rely on. And That's great. I kind of as a great transition here. I wanted to talk a bit about you and your history before you got uh, directly involved in politics. You have a pretty fascinating small business background. You've had a business brokerage firm, and you've owned and operated a chain of gas stations and convenience stores in Tucson. How did you decide to get into that line yeah. of work? <laughs> I know that is interesting. And it's interesting because they're all kind of very male dominated industries. Uh, when I graduated from the U of A, I had degrees in entrepreneurship and marketing. And I went to work for an oil company in the Los Angeles area and was there for six, seven years, got my MBA and married my, you know, my husband and so on. But when we decided to have a family, we decided to come back home to Tucson. And when I did that, um, I tried to plug in and decide where where would I fit? What would my career be? What are my aspirations? And I really wanted to use that entrepreneurship degree and own my own business. So the industry I knew was gas stations and convenience stores. Um, I was 28 at the time. I was actually pregnant also, which is interesting. <laughs> That's a whole other story. But uh, we decided to write a business plan and solicit venture capital and get an SBA loan and build a gas station, because that's what I knew. My husband had a healthcare administration uh, background, so he went into that. And I leveraged one to build the next and then continue to buy and build and eventually had six locations here in town with about 50 employees all throughout kind of the Tucson region. And it was very interesting. I I really enjoyed the industry, but it's a tough industry. And uh, we really faced a lot of Gosh, I'll say, you know, uh, the petty robberies that occur and and managing of workforce. And I mean, I really learned all aspects of business ownership, cash flow and so on in that experience over that six, seven years of of running and owning and operating gas stations. Um, From there, I went on to business brokerage firm and I really utilized my experience in owning businesses and helping other people do so. Interestingly, 
when I got into business brokering, um, which meant that I would do evaluation on someone's business and help them determine what it's worth and then help them sell it anonymously, I realized the, the market not being served were women-owned businesses. So I had been very involved in the community, serving on commissions and boards and just, uh, you know, probably five, six boards at a time. And one of them was the National Association of Women Business Owners, and I was the president of the local chapter. So I realized as a business broker that women business owners weren't being served. So I, I worked with anybody, but certainly focused on the women business owners and have probably helped people buy and sell 40 to 50 different businesses in this market during that time. Um, and I was serving on the board of the Hispanic Chamber when my predecessor resigned. And I had also been running a group called Greater Tucson Leadership, which is a community leadership group in our, in our, in our community. Uh, and the board turned to me and said, well, you've had experience with this. Would, would you consider running our chamber? And uh, at the time, you know, the commercial lending market was get, getting very tough. Um, it was harder to put deals together because of kind of the state our nation was in and, and the, the challenges in the market. So I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, you know, to consider a career change and became the president of our local chamber. And very proud of what we've accomplished over the last nine years. In fact, this month is my ninth year at the chamber. You mentioned, I mean, you got into kind of pretty male-dominated industries. I assume there's been moments when you've been the only woman in the room or the only Hispanic woman in the room? Absolutely, yeah. Probably in all of my careers. <laughs> what, how did you handle those moments? I mean, were there times when it was awkward or, you know, people weren't used to seeing a woman in the role that you were playing, I assume? Yeah, you know, I've never really focused on the fact that I, I would certainly notice if I'm the only woman in the room. I think all of us ladies do, or if I'm the only Hispanic person in a room. But it's not an area I particularly focused. In Tucson or in southern Arizona, about 35% of our community is Hispanic. So I always thought of it as a huge benefit if I were sitting in a room as the only Hispanic and just what information or intel or data I could provide on the Hispanic purchasing power or demographics and things of that nature. So I always really use it to my benefit. Um, it never stopped me or slowed me down. I think a lot of people will tell you I have chaired a lot of organizations in this community and, and oftentimes I was the first woman and probably the first Hispanic person also to serve in that role. Well, talk about that. So you've obviously been in business for a long time. You've now making a, a huge shift uh, when you decided to run for Congress. What drove you to decide to you know make the leap or that you were going to, this was going to be your time to run? You know, I, I was asked uh, previously, you know, would you consider running for this or that? And, and I always thought, you know, when the time was right and it really felt like I could have impact or make a difference. And when I knew Martha was going to run for Senate and this seat would be vacated, I thought how important and, and, and what kind of impact could I have serving as a congressperson, being able to provide that perspective of doing business on the border, working with the communities of whether it's rural like Douglas or Wilcox or Sierra Vista or more urban like Tucson. I, I am very passionate about it. I'm excited to talk as a congressperson in the future and have impact on our economy and border security and support for our military and taxation and all the things that our, our federal government and our elected officials are dealing with today. Who, was, who asked you or, and how many times did you have to be asked? A lot of women, when we talk about uh, women and running for office, I think it's, they usually have to be asked multiple, three times before they you know, actually decide that they're going to do it. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I've been asked that before, and, and I don't know how many times I've been asked. I think there's always been an assumption that, gosh, you know, Leah, are you going to run for mayor someday, or you're going to be on city council, or you know, boy, you're passionate about 
our school system, you're going to run for the school board. And so there's kind of been that understanding that I certainly had a voice throughout the community and an important voice to provide. Um, so I don't know. I probably have been asked, you know, gosh, I don't know, five, ten times to run for something or other. No one in particular pulled me out and said, this is it, CD2, this is the one that you should run for. I just knew when the time was right, open seat, and I knew I could I could garner the community support. Um, if you followed the race, you may have noticed that I launched in December when Martha actually launched her race in mid-January. And locally, the community, the media was saying, what, what's going on here? What's happening? But not having ever run before, I'm not a politician, I'm a, a business leader in our community, I thought, I'm going to get out there and start building awareness and credibility. If for some reason Martha doesn't run, I will drop out. Uh, but I felt pretty sure she was going to, and so I reached out to business leaders and community leaders and veterans and people along the border and just people throughout the entire community for their support right away and was very happy to, to receive uh, financial as well as just support and introducing me to their friends and family. And we kind of launched back then in December, um, and it's gone very well since then. How have you found balance? Uh, so many women struggle with, you've obviously had very high-powered careers and you've you know had children. What's kind of your rule of thumb? Are there kind of things that you, you know, always make sure you're home for bedtime or anything like that? Well, that's a good question. So I, I try to be home at the beginning of this campaign, nights and weekends, as much as I could, knowing, and my husband knowing and my children knowing that this was going to be a much more crazy agenda as we got closer to the primary and then certainly to the general. So they're aware of that. I've tried to engage my children in the campaign, you know, whether it's, you know, walking with me, knocking on doors or uh, being here at campaign headquarters as things progress. Um, but also we try to get away a night or two, you know, as we can, um, and just making sure that I'm always up on top of where they are, what they're doing, how they're preparing in the summer now for school to start. Just maybe multitasking like so many working mothers do. How is, how is your family not being political? How have they found the campaign trail? They have found it okay. Um, the, at this point in the Republican primary, you know, I've told them kind of stay off social media. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> that gets a little ugly. Uh, and, you know, they, they have their own lives, their own circles, and things have been fine. I don't know, not having run before, how this will look in the general um, but, you know, they're, they're feeling comfortable with it. They're used to me as a chamber president being out and speaking or having opinion or a reporter commenting on something I've said. They're used to that piece. Um, we've just started television advertising here in the primary. Uh, so that's a little different for them to see their mom up on the screen so often. But it's kind of fun, too. I'm sure. Well, one topic we cover a lot on Women Rule is money, especially when running campaigns, when financing a business. Uh, you are a bit of a powerhouse fundraiser for a first-time candidate. It looks like you're outraising your other Republican opponents in this primary race. Talk to me about your strategy. How have you been able to rally together financial support for your campaign? Yeah, though I've not raised money as a candidate in the past, I've certainly raised money being a chamber president. So oh, sure. I was... I kind of had that foundation of experience that I knew about and how to reach out to corporate sponsors, to sponsor our events, build relationships, and so on. Um, so that wasn't new to me. Um, I think in, in running this campaign, I immediately reached out to my network, uh, folks I've served on boards with, people who had I known engaged politically in the past. I'll tell you what's interesting, too, is um, I've raised majority of my money from Southern Arizona, and that's unusual. A lot of people start, or even my Democrat likely opponent is raising money 
from the coast and from national organizations and things like that. And my money is primarily being raised right here in town. And that, I think that just speaks to the fact that I've grown up here and I've been so involved in the community. Has the process been varied? I mean, you've obviously taken a lot of lessons from being a chamber president and being on boards and having to fundraise. But has it been different asking for money to finance your race for yourself instead of, you know, a group that you're working for? Yeah, that has been a different ask, certainly at the beginning, getting used to asking for myself. But I realized it wasn't, it was me, certainly, I was asking money for, but it was more for the cause, how important it is to keep this seat, from my perspective, Republican, pro-business, pro-growth, someone who's local, who's from here, understands the community. I mean, so it's bigger than just me. I'm the the spokesperson, I guess, of the effort, and I've kind of treated it that way, and that that seems to work for many folks, especially as they're getting to know me. Why would they engage? And I'm hoping they realize just how vitally important this race is. It's considered one of the top five races in the country. Yeah, I want to talk about that. The kind of, I mean, it's obviously on the national eye a lot um, in terms of what's going to happen down in Arizona and obviously what's happened in Ohio recently uh, with the kind of, is there going to be a blue wave? Is it going to be a red wave? One factor uh, that's playing strongly in that is President Trump. Uh, you're pretty vocal about supporting parts of the president's agenda. You said that his border policies resonate with Southern Arizonans. You've defended his comments he's made about immigrant gangs being animals. Uh, and you've said you support an all-of-the-above approach at the border. Are there any parts of his agenda that you don't support or concern you? Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, I've been blessed enough as a chamber president to engage with the Trump administration. I actually was invited back to a transition team meeting when he was first elected and been invited to the White House for different policy discussions, um, even more recently, which has been great. But where I have expressed concern and been an advocate for my community has really been around trade. More than 110,000 jobs in the state of Arizona rely on NAFTA, and NAFTA's kind of been put on hold as the, the negotiations occur. Um, I've signed on to letters and been very vocal about certainly needs to be improved and updated. It's more than 24 years old, but do not want to see NAFTA go away and, and the implications of that on our local businesses. Um, a lot of the tariff conversations that have also occurred, whether it was steel and aluminum or others dramatically impact Southern Arizona. Um, not in the district, but right next door is Nogales, which is a community that majority of the produce flows north from Mexico. Um, so certainly how um, any any relationship with Mexico or so on might impact the state of Arizona has been key. So I've spoken to groups and crowds, living rooms, you know, auditoriums, whatever it takes about you know, absolutely where I'm behind the president on certain issues and, and other places where I need to make sure that my voice is there to give the perspective on how it would impact Southern Arizona and perhaps a little differently from other parts of the country. Who, who have you met with at the White House or how have you found those meetings? They've been good. Um, I, in the past, I was able to attend, uh, once he was in office, you know, Hispanic Heritage Month and hear the president speak and, and see other Latino leaders that were engaging um, more recently with policy advisors in the White House. Um, so it, it's, been a, it's been a good interaction, um, you know, just learning more about his perspective and making sure that they're aware of this race and, and who I am and my background. Does any of his rhetoric concern you? I know a lot of, you know, sometimes it can be rough and um, sometimes a lot of mothers and women have, uh, you know, been opposed or been upset by some of the things he said. Where do you stand on that? You know, I, I try to separate the man from the policy. I mean, there's certainly things he has said that I've, I've not agreed with related, you know, to women and so on. But if I focus on the policy and things that I can actually impact, 
Um, that's where I take my stand on whether it's tax reform or regulatory reform or border security and, and things of that nature. Do you want a Trump endorsement? Is that something you've asked for or would welcome? I haven't asked for an endorsement at all. I, I've just really focused on the local community and making sure that I'm out and about and speaking with mayors and city councils that are local to our large and small cities. So it's not something I've pursued. I want to talk just a little bit more generally about Republican politics uh, and kind of women in the party. There hasn't been nearly as many women in Congress on the Republican side as there are on the Democratic side, uh, even less when it comes to minority women. Why do you think that's been the case? Yeah, I was surprised to learn. I I think it is in House Republicans, females are like 6% or something dramatically low. So that is alarming. Um, And, you know, I I hope to change that and have future generations change that because that is a shame. What do you think? Is there anything that you think the Republican Party can do to better address that or to encourage more women like yourself to run? Um, You know, there are certainly conservative women um, organizations that have endorsed my campaign and found me and made sure that they knew that or I knew that they were there and that they were there to be supportive. Um, So I've been endorsed by groups that are called like View Pack or Winning for Women and Maggie's List. And that's good. I think the Republican Party and Republicans in general are very focused on um, finding female candidates, diverse candidates. It's been very supportive. Uh, One final thing before we let you go, if you win your primary, I just wanted to get a sense of what's your strategy in the months leading up to the midterm election, particularly given this is uh, a swing district that went to Hillary Clinton by five points uh, in the 2016 election. Right. What's interesting is Arizona is such a late primary. It's actually August 28th. I'm feeling very good, knock on wood, for my primary. But we've already gotten up on TV. I've got mailers out. I'm, I'm raising the resources needed to get that name recognition now, though we're still in the primary, and really focused on that general election. If I am up against former Congresswoman Kirkpatrick, there's some pretty stark differences between us. I mean, she's not from here. She's kind of moving in to run, and that doesn't always fly well in southern Arizona when I've been here for more than 40 years. And secondly, my background is you know, based on the economy, small business, um, success for our our business community throughout the state, certainly. And she's got a failing record with a lot of the different business organizations, NFIB, U.S. Chamber, and others. So it's going to be a pretty stark difference, and people will have to decide uh, between us, likely. So um, I'm I'm very much geared up there and and focused on on getting uh, to as many living rooms and events and so on that I can get to now so people realize that I'll be up against a huge challenge in the general. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate your time, especially when it's so busy uh, leading up to the election. We look forward to seeing what the results are at the end of the month. Yeah, thank you again. Appreciate it. Women Rule is produced by Rena Flores. Dave Shaw is our executive producer and our booker is Jessica Andrews. If you're a fan of the show and you listen on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor and leave a review. It helps new listeners find the show. And one last thing, if you have any thoughts about who we should feature on Women Rule, let me know. Tweet me at a Palmer DC, And of course, hit that subscribe button. And thanks for listening.